Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim Kernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I'm your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, the HomeLoanExpert.com studios in my basement. And uh, it is a give caution in advance. There is a chance you will hear my one-year-old son uh, arriving, screaming, but that's the uh, the price we pay for the uh, the home broadcast. So, uh, questions from the audience is a regular occurrence on the program. If you're new to it, as many people, based on the numbers of the uh, the recent interviews, in particular, Pat Maroon are indicating a lot of people are getting on board with the podcast. So, here's the schedule, and here's what it's going to be actually uh, at the end of August. 2019 when college football and then the NFL starts up Mondays usually actually Sundays we post them but uh, Mondays new interviews new guests every week we've been doing this for nearly two years it is very aggressive I regret starting that trend from the outset because it is tough to keep up with but we're approaching two years of doing it and uh, we always look forward to sitting down with a variety of people whether it be uh, athletes former athletes, media personalities, politicians, um, whatever the case might be, and I love the long-form interview. Then on Wednesdays, questions from the audience. You can email questions to me at tmckernan at insidestl.com, and uh, you can keep your name private. You can go ahead and say, use my name, whatever, does not matter. Email me, tmckernan at insidestl.com. And starting on Fridays, uh, and maybe we'll post it on Thursdays, because I think we'll record them on Thursdays, to give you a little time, but either way, at the end of the week, um, pick six, the gambling podcast. And listen, I know uh, that uh, there are plenty of gambling podcasts out there. Most of the time, it's a guy or a group of guys just kind of guessing, which is what I would candidly be doing myself. But last year, uh, the emergence of the weatherman became a thing for those who have been listening to the podcast for a while, and I believe he went 65% against the spread. Uh, So he has already sent me season-long picks uh, as far as college football team totals for win totals over-unders, and uh, he is already locked in. So uh, it's it's like, oh, I don't really find uh, Tim particularly entertaining. I really don't like him, but... He has some guy who sends in picks that hit 65% of the time against the spread, so I'll put up with him. I don't blame you. I would, too. So that's coming up at the end of the month. In the meantime, it's questions from the audience on Wednesdays, guests on Mondays, and uh, and then in a matter of weeks, the pick six restarts. It's all brought to you by our great sponsors who make this thing possible. Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And a brief aside about James Carlton, 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. James and I, we get together for lunch. Usually it's been once a month, um, but uh, with me being out of town um, and uh, we just hadn't gotten together in a while. And so uh, he was so kind to to bring me a gift certificate for for dinner, a, a hefty dinner, by the way. This wasn't like a $25 gift certificate, which would have been a, which would have been an incredibly kind gesture as it, as it is. But a, a big gift certificate for Olive and Oak, because he knows that's where my wife and I go quite often, mainly because it's close and it stays open late, um, which are two things that are of the utmost importance to us. Um, 
And, uh, and, and of course, it's great food if you haven't been there. They're not a sponsor, but I'm just telling you how it is. So uh, James knew that, and he got me this gift certificate. I said, why are you getting me a gift certificate? You're a paying sponsor. And, he's, and he went into detail about the business he has received from being involved with this show and with TMA, the radio show. And, I, you know, I... You know, if, if an advertiser stays with you, you know it's working. That's why I always say about TMA advertising, you hear many of the same clients, and it's going on for years. Well, I mean, they wouldn't be throwing bad money at it. Um, so you know it's working. And and the thing with insurance, for me, and I told James this when he got on board with the podcast at the very beginning, I said, listen, I said, I'm always happy to have somebody advertise with the show it's a it's flattering if anything and it's certainly a necessity because that's how this business is fueled um and I got to know him and I went to his office and I saw that this guy was running a a very um quality operation but different in the sense that he he intentionally staffed it so that he would cover all his bases and build a business um and and have the customer service be at the forefront so I liked what I saw then I switched to him um, because I liked what I saw, and then we had issues with the very basement I'm in right now flooding right as we arrived home from spring training, and I saw him go to work on that. My God, was he just incredible. Um, but the, the the listeners, you guys, have made the switch, and I'm so happy you have because, first off, obviously, I want the advertising to work, no question, but taking that out of the equation... I know you're with a good insurance agent, well, great insurance agent, actually. And uh, insurance is one of those things you don't think about until you actually need it, and I get it, and you're really going, oh, this is a commercial, so Tim, you know, you're doing your thing. And I understand all of that. If I were listening, I would, I would think the same thing. But I did switch. I didn't need to switch. And I had to rely on James when our basement flooded. Um, and I know the attention to detail and the customer service, just like they're following up with you and you can communicate with somebody directly. These things are, this is your home, this is your car, this is life insurance, this stuff's important. So, uh, you know, this really wasn't intended to be a commercial, I guess it is, uh, but it was just, you know, we had lunch here a few days ago and I'm just like, man, that makes me so happy. Um, it's the same thing when Mark tells me that he's got people coming to him uh, and for years now, God, we're approaching a decade with Ryan Kelly, uh, the quality of the applicants is the thing that um, stands out, you know, that, the, the, you know, quality people. And, um, and that's just, that, that's, that's a great endorsement of, 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 the, of the audience. And, uh, and I'm grateful for uh, everybody supporting the sponsors because you guys get it. That's how this thing works. That's the game. And, uh, and the nice thing is on my end is I'm not going, oh, my God, I'm recommending this person and they're awful. I wouldn't do it. I'm recommending people I know and people um, I would, or in the case of James, I am in the process of doing business with. 314-961-4800, go online at carltoninsurance.net. So there it is. As always, as always, something that was supposed to be about 20 seconds with me wound up being, what, 10 minutes? I have no idea. I'm, I'm, the, the, the bottom line is I'm a fucking mess. And that's why I sit in my basement and I look at my refrigerator and I talk to myself, except... I talk with uh, the fine people who send in these emails, and I am really, as I've always said, since we started doing questions from the audience, um, once the Plowhawk couldn't be with, well, I mean, he could be, but uh, we were recording it right after TMA, and then he started doing the board, running the board at KFNS until noon, 
Um, and so we didn't have the whole group. And so I just started doing it on my own. I'd love to have those guys back or maybe have Doug in for one, maybe have the cat in for one, whatever the case might be. But I enjoy doing it because uh, it's kind of therapeutic for me. And on TMA, I'm kind of the point guard and I'm getting the ball in people's hands and I'm directing the show and doing the spots and reading the text and reading the emails. And this is my uh, this is my blank canvas each week to expound and communicate directly with the audience. So I always look forward to it, but I've looked forward to it even more here recently because the quality of the questions uh, that are coming in, and they're coming in just randomly, um, are so damn good that I'll read them. You know, they'll come into my phone, and I'll just I'll see it's titled QFTA usually, and I'll go, let me see what this one's about. And I'll just be like, God, I'm look- I don't know necessarily the answer, but I'm looking forward to... Uh, to digging down on it when we do the show. So this one was one that I got earlier today, just a few hours ago, actually. It's uh, it's a good St. Louis question, and I've never thought about it, honestly. Um, but I would imagine, if this gentleman presents this, that a number of you have experienced this or know someone who has or is experiencing it. Um, because I think it is as he makes reference to, somewhat unique to St. Louis in its intensity. So here we go. Uh, Tim, uh, so I'm 38 years old, never married, no kids. I've been fortunate enough to work for a company, Guinness Brewing. Feel free to say that on the air. Tip of the cap to all of you fine Irish Americans. That has relocated me to Austin, Texas, and now New York City to further the advancement of my career. Uh, And he did hashtag blessed. No complaints. Life has been awesome. But... My extended family back in St. Louis is large and very tight-knit. They constantly chirp away at me about not being, or not only being gone and absent from my role as son, brother, uncle, but also for missing events such as four-year-old birthday parties and holidays and weddings. They are now applying a strong level of pressure on me to relocate back to St. Louis and settle down now that I'm at a pivot point in my life and career. So as I stand here yet again at the crossroads of my life, I email with my hands up in the air in frustration. I've heard you talk of the lack of young professional culture in St. Louis, which to my credit I contributed to until I was 34, and to my discredit I've been absent from for five years now. And I also heard you talk recently of the Sam Harris-Ricky Gervais podcast regarding doing what you ultimately truly want to do with your life daily, which really resonated with me and sparked my email that you're reading now. Seems selfish as fuck, but... I subscribe to this way of thinking for sure. My point is I've seen the St. Louis quote-unquote pullback effect and how strong it is. I've seen St. Louis gals go out east, marry dudes from fucking Philadelphia, and move them back to St. Louis. I've seen folks move to the West Coast or Chicago or where the fuck ever and get pulled back into St. Louis for one reason or another. It's quite the phenomenon. I know other major cities tend to have similar migration patterns, but it does seem that St. Louis's is particularly strong given the inherently provincial nature of our upbringing here. I'd love to hear your personal experience with this phenomena, who, why, how these people came back, and to what degrees of happiness it led to in their respective lives. I, for one, am headed back to Austin soon, but I proudly say St. Louis first and foremost when folks around the country ask where I'm from. Thanks. Love you, buddy. Robbie the Marmot. I don't know. I read what's in the prompter, as they say, unless somebody says, don't use my name. But then when they sign off as Robbie the Marmot, um, I, I gather that I can say the name. So uh, there it all is. I I agree with the overall premise. Uh, usually the premise uh, kind of has this pattern more often than not. Now, maybe it's changing. Um, 
go to the University of Missouri, um, graduate, move to Chicago, maybe Denver, um, possibly Dallas, possibly New York. Uh, what else would be in play? I guess there's a little LA. I'm, I might be missing another one that 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 are regular stops. Fuck around for five to seven, eight years, right around thirty, and then come back to St. Louis. Uh, probably reside at Brentwood Forest. Um, fuck around for like a couple of months. Maybe find a girl you knew in high school or college, and then begin the settling down process. And uh, and then have kids who then go to Missouri, uh, then uh, live in Chicago after they graduate, fuck around for a little bit, come back and then live at Brentwood Forest, fuck around a little bit uh, and then find their old high school uh, or college girlfriend or somebody they knew then and uh, and then settle down and then their kids repeat the cycle. I realize it's a very broad brush. It's said from a satirical standpoint, just in the off chance that that hit too close to home, and for whatever reason you think I'm mocking it. Um, but it is an observation that I, I think is I think it's unique to St. Louis. But because I'm one of those people who, minus my eight months in television in Little Rock for my first TV job, I also haven't spent much time outside of St. Louis. Uh, I mean, you have the University of Missouri and you have Little Rock, and that's it. Now, I've traveled a decent amount, um, and I you know, spent a lot of time on the road when I was with KMOV and, you know, spring training in Las Vegas and, and that stuff. But uh, and as far as living somewhere else, like really like residing there, I've got Little Rock. So, you know, I mean, I'm coming I'm coming from uh, the uh, the provincial perspective as well. Here is where I am on the general question of your feeling the pressure and what to do. Um, I just, I say, do what you want to do, do what makes you happy. And I know it sounds like it's, it's so simplistic that it might be irritating. It's like, it's kind of become in vogue to critique, uh, whether it be a radio host or a listener saying, well, you didn't like the segment. Why are you listening to switch the channel? Now, if you're condemning, now you can say, well, I disagreed with the segment and here is why. But it's like you're condemning it. Then just like like if I'm listening to something, like for a Stern, I always go back to this. I, I listen at this point to Howard Stern, my, you know, I worship at the altar. And the only thing I listen to now are interviews. The Ronnie, the limo driver, tan mom stuff. You know, I, I, I guess guys are now making out or jerking each other off. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but whatever. Fine. I don't like email Baba Booey and go, what the fuck's going on? And just go, well, that's not for me. And if people are enjoying it, you know, and clearly the guy's got a track record to know what people are liking, then great. I don't have to listen to it. And it, and it, and it like, it sucks because people are riled up when they have a, something they want to bitch about. And then I just go, well, then don't listen. And I mean, you're welcome to complain, but like, if you're bothered by it, don't listen. And then it's really simple. But then because it's so simple, it's like a bullet to the brain, and it sucks because there's really not much blood. It just ends it. Um, so with this, which is obviously a well-thought-out email, um, a lot of the back and forth of, of what he's experienced with his family, his career, and uh, Robbie, you asking about other people who have who have experienced this, and I certainly have friends who both have left and come back, but also friends who have left and have not come back. Um, and so... Uh, it's just, to me, 
I mean, it really does come down to doing what makes you happy. And and I don't know why, you know, I, I know I spent some time on this in one of the, the recent ones. And I don't know why I feel like I don't talk, I, I talk about it more than I feel like others talk about it in my age range. Um, I don't know. But time and its value and doing what you want to do. And, I, and if somebody goes, oh, that's selfish. Okay, then fine, fuck it. I don't know. But then that person's probably miserable, you know? I, I like, and, and and who fucking cares? Like, so they don't like how you live your life. Well, fuck them. Are those any, is that somebody you really want to hang around anyway? So you know, I I know that playing out the hand. If I were to move to Jupiter, Florida, which obviously I talk about, but not necessarily as something that I'm looking at doing in in like the super near future. Um, you know, it would it would. I don't know what the right word would be. Upset my family isn't the right word. Hurt my family isn't the right word. You know, it just, I guess it, it would sadden them, uh, probably, in some way. But at the same time, they know how much we love it and how much we hate winters. And I think they'd be happy for me in that sense. And also, it's not like I wouldn't be around. It's, it's a two-hour flight. You know, this is a different era than, you know, years ago. So... I don't know. And, and I got to tell you something. I mean, you know, our son turns two here in a, in a few weeks. And if my brother doesn't show up, or my brothers don't show up, or my sister doesn't show up, and they have something else going on, I mean, you know, it's a two-year-old's birthday party. I mean, if I'm them, I don't really want to come. You know, I mean, it's so somebody's sweating you on a four-year-old's birthday party. Like, fuck, man. You know, I mean, you're, what do you, would you say you're 37, 38 years old? And it's not like you have kids to bring to the table either based on what I'm assuming is, yeah, you did say you never married no kids. I don't know. That seems a little that seems a little rough from my standpoint. And, of course, I'm observing this from 30,000 feet. Um, it just, to me, it's the, the time, it goes so quickly. So why not, you know, I realize we have to do some things that we don't want to do. It's part of the game. You know, I'm going to have to stop this podcast in a matter of, I would think, 10 minutes. And there'll be some gangster Pete Shears used to edit it and make it sound seamless, except I'll call attention to it. So it doesn't matter what he does. I'm going to call attention to it. Um, because my son is going to watch, want to watch. Um, well, we, we, we started this thing um, about a month ago where we go up to, to our bedroom, Anna Marie in, in my bedroom, and I put on a baseball game, and then we just beat the hell out of each other. Uh, and and he loves it. So that's I know that's coming here in a matter of moments. So we'll do that for 10, 15 minutes, me and Jameson, and I love it. Um, it's bizarre, but I love it. And I also know it's not going to last forever. Uh, I mean, if, if it's going on in 10 years, there's going to be a, there's, you know, there's going to be a child services call coming, I would imagine. And then and then I will then take him over to his room. And what used to be reading books is now watching YouTube videos of trucks, which uh, in talking with parents of other boys around this age, for whatever reason, there is a truck phenomenon. Uh, I'm sure there has been, uh, there have been psychological studies on this. What the deal? I don't think I was interested in trucks. Um, but at this moment for two-year-olds in the United States, that's 
I understand for boys, that's the thing. So whatever. So I'll put on YouTube videos of trucks and I'll sit there and we'll do that. And then I'll negotiate with them and we'll, we'll try to cap it at 15 minutes and then I'll put them to bed. That is a, that is a, that is a tradition here at the house at this point that I also, there are times that I just love it. And there candidly, there are times that I would rather not do it, but you know, whatever, that's, that's the gig. I got to get up at five, five thirty in the morning to do the radio show. I would prefer not to get up that early, but I get to do this show that I love doing and I've gotten to do it now for 15 years. I like doing it. Uh, so the, the good with the bad, but I really do believe in, and I think it's, a, and I know maybe it's generational, but I don't think it's generational because I think there's other people, I'm just thinking generational because I think my dad, it like doesn't get me doing some of the things that I do that are more uh, short-term rewarding as opposed to, you know, whereas he was always saving, 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 and it's not that I'm not saving, but, you know, I want to make sure I enjoy it. And and enjoy this time and, and, and try to minimize the things that I don't like. And so I, but I want other people to feel that way. It's like when I, when I was operating, um, CBS sports 920, I, I encouraged people to take vacations like Doug Vaughn. He just won't take vacations. God bless him. I mean, he's the greatest person to work with for a variety of reasons. One of which you just know he's going to be there. Um, but I want people to take vacations I want them to enjoy their time. Even if they don't have anywhere to go, just take time off. Just fucking enjoy yourself. I just th- I think that's important. I know I'm going to do it, so I don't want to be the guy in charge going, well, I'm, I'll be off, but you motherfuckers can't take any time off. That's, that's, that'll be terrible leadership. So, um, I, you know, I, I read what you're saying here. Even though I didn't experience it, um, I feel like it resonates with me because I feel like it's a, it, again, I'm sure it goes on in all kinds of cities. I remember being in... Uh, I think I, it was either somebody from San Francisco talking about San Francisco or I was in Los Angeles and somebody talking about San Francisco um, and how San Francisco has the little brother complex. I mean, can you imagine like this world-class city that's a top whatever market, like seven market in the country, being a little brother? But that's how L.A. views San Francisco. You know, here we're looking at Kansas City and St. Louis and that weird crap. Um, but, but that San Francisco is provincial, which I would never think. No, I mean, but that's what, that's what, it was the guy in San Francisco was telling me that. I remember thinking to myself, what in the, how could San Francisco be provincial? And who knows? I mean, fuck, I was at a bar. God only knows what he was talking about. But I just, I remember standing out to me, St. Louis, certainly provincial. It's gotta be for a top 25 television market. I can't imagine another top 25 market being more provincial than St. Louis. So, it, so I think it's more intense, even though I'm sure it goes on. You know, there could be some guy in New York and his parents want him to move back. But, I mean, you've got to do what you want to do. I mean, you just have to. And you're, you're talking about Austin, Texas, and New York City. I mean, you're not talking about, like, my stuff with Little Rock. So, I don't know, man. I, I mean, it might, it might not be what your family wants to hear, and maybe it's not what you want to hear. But, God, live, where is it that's going to make you happy? And if it's St. Louis, then come on back. But don't do it because somebody else is pressuring you. I, in general, I guess I guess I'm such an asshole that I've never really run into these things that seem very commonplace for others. You know, I didn't get when are you guys going to have a baby? But apparently, that's like standard operating procedure. You know, like and it's good because we were dealing with the inability to have a baby for a number of years, you know, that would have been awkward. Well, the problem is, you know, this and that, and then it gets awkward. Um, 
But I gather that that's like a standard question. Then people feel like they're getting pressured from their parents or their families or whatever the case might be on that stuff. And then you get with this stuff. And I feel badly for people that deal with it. Um, but my, my official counsel, and I'm flattered that people ask me these questions, my official counsel is, what is it that makes you happy? Where is it that makes you happy? And wherever that is, continue to live there or move there. And if it's St. Louis, great. Be lovely to have a, a 38-year-old, never married, no kids, professional back in St. Louis. But if it's not, then you have nothing to apologize for. You got to live, man. I mean, the thing I always, this is going to be like a theme on the podcast, but I keep going back to it. 15 years ago, I was 27 years old. 15 years from now, I'm 57. And the, the difference in those two is monstrous. And the thing that fucks me up is that I'm like, man, 15 years ago wasn't that long ago, which then makes me go, oh shit, 15 years from now isn't that long. I got to maximize this stuff. And, and I don't, I think it was when I had a, my, my son that I started feeling that way. Cause before that, I'm just like, I turned 40, who gives a shit? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm now going to be 41 in a month. And I just had a son and you just start thinking differently. So maybe I'm coming to this realization that many of you who've had kids for a while are just like, yeah, dipshit. This, this is the way the world works. Um, so anyway, good question. Great email. Um, my official counsel, do what makes you happy. Uh, let's see. This one was a brief one, and I will be able to keep the answer under a minute. Did you pursue a podcast interview with Steve Stanger prior to his indictment? Do you have any sense for this unfolding via a gut feeling or by speaking to others in the know? Uh, yes, we absolutely did. Um, never got a response. Um, obviously, he was never on. And did I have any sense for this unfolding via gut feel or by speaking to others in the know? Regarding my gut feel, the answer is no, but the reason is because I candidly wasn't really paying attention to the St. Louis County Executive. Um, regarding others in the know, uh, 100%. 100%. Um, and I'd love to go into the story, but um, I'd be violating the, uh, the omerta, as I like to say. Um, but I mean, it wasn't really an omerta. It was so much as just, I, I don't know if this person would want their, their, I'm pretty confident this person wouldn't want their, their name on it. Um, but, uh, for those in the know, they knew and, um, I, I, I just wasn't following it. You know, my gut feelings on politicians, which I am proud of, uh, being right because again, they're, they're straight intuition, um, I, 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 regarding Eric Greitens, I felt that way so strongly, so strongly, so strongly that he was going to win even before he had even won the Republican nomination. And, uh, and then I thought he would win the race. Uh, and I felt so strongly about him being a problem and he's going to come back. I mean, that guy's coming back. I mean, I don't know necessarily in politics, but he's going to do something. Mark my words on that. Uh, and, uh, Josh Hawley is another one um, where I was just like, oh, this is, you know, those are recent ones. Um, and I'm for the purpose of, um, as always, even even when I do this, I still, uh, you're more critical of Fox News than you are MSNBC. I'm like, I don't even watch MSNBC. Um, but I try to do this, this jerk-off dance where you do both sides thing. But for the purpose of the discussion, uh, did not have a good feeling regarding John Edwards. Uh, never thought it was going to get to the level that it wound up getting, but just didn't have a good feeling on 
on him. Um, but I didn't have anything on Stanger just because I didn't really, I didn't pay attention to it real closely. Uh, in general, you know, last week, this is kind of a follow-up, me doing my own follow-ups, uh, I said I was going to watch the Democratic presidential debates, and I did. I watched both nights, not 100%, but certainly the, the majority of both nights. Um, and I'm telling, I, I, and I, I think I might have said this last week, and I'm going to say it again, I have no idea who's going to win this thing, and I still think there's a chance somebody's going to wind up running and winning the nomination who is not out there right now. Just because I'm looking at it and I'm going... You know, the, the two people, I suppose, at this point, I guess from the debates, I'll include a third person, but not necessarily my personal preference policy-wise. But again, if I'm just looking at somebody who's impressed me in debates, which I think is so overvalued as opposed to looking at what somebody has done over their career as opposed to like a cute little soundbite um, like Bernie Sanders. I wrote the damn bill. Oh, that's a headline now. We can get that on Instagram and Twitter. And now he won the debate because of that. Uh, Buttigieg would be number one. Um, Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren. And I included Elizabeth Warren because I think she's been uh, impressive and able to stay above the fray in the debates. Um, but policy-wise and overall-wise, um, that she's not somebody I would go, yes, this is the person. But... Uh, but I've, I've been impressed by uh, her performance um, so far in the debates. Uh, and I do, I, I certainly buy in to Pete Buttigieg, um, but I don't, I don't know if the country, the electorate, would do so. But of course, if you would have asked me in, in August of 2015 if the electorate would buy into Donald Trump, I would have gone, oh my God, what, what can I bet on that, in, I bet against it, and I would have gone broke. So... You know, who the hell knows? But I'm just saying I've looked at these things, I've watched these debates now, and I'm going, boy, I just don't know if there is anyone who is going to electrify people to get people out to vote and to swing those who would be undecided or independents one way or the other at this moment. And maybe that'll change. But um, that's my observation. Again, nobody asked, but we discussed it last week. And by we, I mean I, and that's me sitting here in my basement in the HomeLoanExpert.com studio staring at my refrigerator. All right, uh, next uh, question. Okay, let's see. Oh, I liked this one. This is from, this is from last week. Uh, Tim, what are your biases? I love this question. This is good. This is, this is good stuff. Uh, I think QFTA shows that you are an inclusive, tolerant, thoughtful guy who thinks through the way he feels about different issues and would likely therefore try to curb any biases you see in yourself. But sometimes some biases are hard to overcome, and while we're working on them, the best we can do is acknowledge them. So what are yours? Great question. And candidly, it's tough, it's tough to answer because I don't think many people think they're biased. Or if they think they might be, it's not necessarily something you want to say publicly, especially if you're... You know, even though I'm like a Z-list local celebrity, you know, in the public eye. And so, um, you know, when I, I remember getting this question last week, like I said, I'll, I'll, these things will pop in my email and I'll just, whatever, just be browsing through and then I'll move them to the QFTA file and, and then I'll forget about them. But I remember seeing it going, God, I wonder, you know, digging in, you know, what are the things what are, that, that would be considered biases? Um. And my honest answer is, I really don't know, but I really am trying to find some. Um, 
so in other words, I, I guess I'm looking at more like prejudice, although I know prejudice comes with a connotation of racism, which I'd like to think if you've been listening to me for however long you've been listening to me, you, you know where I am on that. Like that's like my God, that's my just it's like a, you know, it puts me in a bad because it goes back to like when I was like six years old. I talked about this with Bill McClellan, who's coming up as a guest. Um, and I just growing up in South City and hearing the stuff I heard. And I remember thinking, what the hell's going on? You know, why? Why? Why do you hate these people, uh, black people? when they're not around I don't get it like what's this where is this coming from and a lot of us got kids in addition to parents and so it's always been a thing for me um not that I'm again as I always then follow up by saying I'm I'm trying to heal the world or anything but it just really bothers me uh and it's I don't know if it's funny so much as I have had, had not anything really recently but some peers who will kind of do the St. Louis casual racism thing and say something, and then like one of the other peers will go, oh, "Don't say that around Tim. He doesn't like that stuff." So it's it's like kind of understood, even though I'm like, well, I don't. I never say, "Hey, don't say that." I just don't participate in it. If somebody wants to say that crap, I don't. You know, I don't know. Maybe some people would be pissed that I don't say, "Hey, don't say that." I'm not talking about necessarily n bombs. That that isn't commonplace, but just like you know, stuff that I personally think is pretty ignorant. It's obviously bigoted. So on this, when I say prejudice, I'm not talking about racial prejudice. I'm talking about something that I see or a trait someone has, and then I am biased. Um, and as dumb as it sounds, um, a dog avatar on social media, again, I mean, it might sound like I'm making a joke because we joke about dog avatars, is I'm going, okay, this person is here to start shit. Uh, the Plowhawk has brought to my attention the Sunrise or Sunset Avatar, which I'm now more aware of because he's brought it to my attention. Um, and the American flag use, like how it's somehow, what an odd thing, by the way. Uh, not by the way, what an odd thing, period. That the use of the American flag is um, is is now property of, uh, in some minds, conservatives you know and so I'll see these things if they pop up in my mentions um, or if I'm looking at a post on the TMA fan page uh, and I'll go okay this is this is probably going to be a problem Um, and I have to tell you that that didn't come from like reading a book or my parents saying you know when I was 10 years old well you want to be careful around dog avatars this is this has come from experience um, it's done, in my opinion, to hide. It's like a fake name. You know, most of the, the vile on social media is not from people who are using their real names and their real accounts. It's from people who's creating fake names, cowards. You know, it's, it's, it's the white hooded sheet of the 21st century. It's a place to hide and do dirt and do hateful things. It's for cowards. Um, but at the same time, it's not like everybody using a dog avatar is, is wanting to start shit or, um, spew hate. So that's something, again, you might be going, okay, I was looking for more than you and the dog avatar, but that's, I just know that I go there. And so, and I'm like, okay, there's something going on on the fan page. I got to tend to, and I'm like, oh shit, it's a dog avatar. I'm like, fuck, this is probably a fake account. We're gonna have to get rid of it. That's 
that's a bias. Again, it's not like, oh, I was hoping you would acknowledge that you're biased against this or that. And I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I really don't. I because you know, if anything, I'd like to think I'm so. Um, it's and then this is it's certainly not a compliment. So analytical that I overanalyze things, and I try to catch things. You know, and I'll say I, I say it on the radio often, and then I'll get texts like, you know, fuck, how can because I'll say, well, you know, this thing about if you voted for Donald Trump, you're racist. It's a really irresponsible and I think dangerous thing to throw around. People, oh, you heard what he how he talks? How can you? And I go, well, I because I know some I know plenty of people who voted for him, and they're not racist. They're just not. They're just not. And on top of it, if you want to see things change. Running around calling people racists when they're not is not the way to do it, and I think it's irresponsible. Um, you know, and and I, I certainly have, um, but I wouldn't call it a bias. I guess I've ex- the the most criticism I've experienced, I think, um, is has been from people who are religious Christian, um, and. And I, and I, it's kind, it's kind of different though now. I'm t- this is like at the beginning of my career. Um, now it's kind of you can you don't you don't rarely anyway listen to stuff that you like. Why would you li- click on my podcast to listen to it? You know, if you hate me, I mean, it's a really odd thing. It's kind of like okay, back in the day, there was only one sports talk station in St. Louis, and you click, you know, your tuner in 2004 and you want to hear sports talk radio and you have me Martin Kilcoin and the cat doing the morning grind and you're like who is this fucking asshole uh in morning drive on KFNS and where did he come from uh so uh you could you couldn't help but run into me so i would get a lot of back and then i would see you know whether it be social media now um but again i don't really deal with it that much and the thing, and it stands out to me that some of the most hateful things will be people who, in their bios, uh, have scripture quoting passages quoted. And I think to myself, what, I, what the fuck is this real? It's usually like Christian, father, husband, you know, and then like something from the Book of Proverbs, and they're just like spewing hate. I'm going, how, what, how the fuck does this work? But but it's not like I'm like. Oh, they're religious, therefore. That's just not where I am. That's another thing that I have a big thing with. I'm like, you know, this thing of um, shitting on people or mocking people because they are faithful, whatever whatever religion it is, by the way. This is not a theocracy. Um, they're all uh, protected, and, and everyone should have the right to worship whoever, whatever it is that they choose to worship. Uh, there was Jameson slamming the door, not happy with the content. Um, and so I always say that as well. But I've noticed it. It's, an, it's a very strange thing to me um, that, you know, I mean, if anything, I would think, like, why, what are you doing? Like, do, like, like what, the strange part to me, like I'm used to it, so it's not strange anymore. But what's strange to me is that they don't realize how hypocritical it is. That's the thing that I don't get. You know, while I am not um, religious, practicing any faith, uh, I did have 12 years of 
religion, I guess if you include um, religion course at Missouri, 13 years of, you know, theology in Catholic school and critical thinking with regard to religion, which I know some people go, that's an oxymoron, but it was. It was one of the best class I ever had at St. Louis U High. Um, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm aware of, of the teachings of Christianity, and, and it, it, it strikes me that a lot of this is, is absolutely the antithesis of the teachings, but yet somehow there's this, like, hijacked version of it now that that is used to justify things that people don't like and then like casting them aside and, and pissing on them. It's a very odd thing. I, odd has become my buzzword. I use odd way too much when I really mean it's fucked up. And um, that stands out to me. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I don't know, like a, a bias, I don't know. I guess... I don't know. I, I'm looking for people probably, I'm sure, listening, going, dude, you are so biased on this, so let me know, and then maybe I'll go, well, yeah, you might be right on that. I should have seen that. Um, you know, it's funny. I recall having this very brief exchange, totally benign, but um, I guess it was during the six, 2016 primaries, and I was posting something on, on the fan page about it, and and somebody said, why is it that Democrats always feel like they can tell Republicans what to do. And I go, that's that's an amazing thing to read, which was directed at me, when I just had gotten done voting for John Kasich. So, if anything, in a way it's frustrating that I have both liberals and conservatives critique me, but then at the same time, I feel like I must be doing something right if they both critique me because that means I'm not just lining up with whatever that particular philosophy is. I think what I think independent of political party, um, you know, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I actually, I want you to tell me what my biases are because I know, because I would imagine there's going to be people who are conservative going, well, clearly you think Fox News is, um, a joke, and I would agree with that, but I don't think it's—I don't think it's a joke. I think it's incredibly powerful, and I think it is. God, if this were Family Feud, now we're ranking reasons for why things have shifted so much over the last twenty-five years. I would put Fox News in the top five, uh, and and then now I see CNN running, in my opinion, the same offense that we saw Fox run from 2009 through 2017, just built where they just built everything up to destroy Barack Obama. Now CNN, everything revolves around Donald Trump and it's the game to play because the game is ratings and that generates revenue and around and round we go. Um, so, you know, I wasn't giving my, oh, I'll give a dig on CNN just to check the box. That's what I see. And I can't, and I, and it's not that I can't watch it, but God, Ugh. I don't like to watch it, you know? I don't like to. I've unfollowed all these accounts on social media because I see what they do, and it's so manipulative, and that drives me up the wall. And it, that's, again, that's not a Fox News thing. Fox News is one of them, but it's not limited to them. Uh, so there it is. Wonderful question. Um, and I'm now going to go upstairs and uh, watch dump trucks and then return with more questions from the audience. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor. 
But then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year, this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart, and just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. Without him, we don't have a podcast, so make sure you're supporting our sponsor, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And we're back. Hello again, everybody. I am fresh off of uh, putting Jameson uh, to bed. Uh, he asked me to sleep on the floor in his room. I had to say no. I need to go down and do the show. It was not uh, met warmly, but uh, we had a wonderful session. What did we watch? Of course, we watched Trucks. There's this, this guy named Blippi on YouTube. I think it's B-L-I-P-P-I. And he's got all these truck videos. He's cornered the market. Um, and uh, what else did we watch? Watched a few videos of, uh, oh, him running around in the sprinklers uh, on the golf course, which he thinks is um, my equivalent to watching Carl and Seven Dirty Words. So uh, we enjoyed that. So now I'm back. And I uh, I got a bunch of emails since because I posted on the fan page I was going to record this thing tonight. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and, 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 and so I got a bunch of emails in addition to the ones that I already had. And this one stands out to me. Uh, and I got it while I was upstairs with my son. Hi, Tim. I feel like I'm a lot like you, just a shittier knockoff version. With that being said, I was hoping you could help. I've been suffering from male pattern baldness since I was about 20. Now at 25, I fucking hate the way my hair looks. I stand 5'7 with my good shoes on while I'm hashtag blessed enough to have some of the same traits as you. I also struggle coming to terms uh, with the fact that I have to fucking deal with it. My question is this, how did you originally come to terms with the loss of your hair and did your height ever bother you? Obviously, you played off like a G on the show and I'm sure you give a fuck less now. However, was that always the case? I'll hang up and listen. Again, I'm enjoying the show. Thanks, that's Andrew. Um... On the height thing, um, I truly did not know how big of a deal it actually is until I think, God, I don't know. I, 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 I use this, but it might not be fair. Um, when I was doing live shots at KMOV, live reports with uh, Steve Savard, who's, I have no idea. Standing next to me, it looks like he's eight feet tall. Uh, and then he's also, you know, he, he played football and, you know, works out and lifts and takes great care of himself. And there I am, you know, at that time, 23 years old, like a stick figure. And I'm, you know, 
whatever it is that I was at the time, 5'8", it's just a mess, you know. Um, So that's, you know, like if, if you'll notice, Bob Costas, who is not tall, um, rarely does shots in broadcasts where he's standing next to someone. That's not a coincidence. Uh, Tom Cruise, who is, uh, I think, in the same height range, uh, is is always shot like at an angle to make it look like he's taller. It's just a, it's just a bad beat deal, man. And I didn't realize it. And so, and I say this. Um, because I actually know it, it's, it's, it, 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 I don't know what the right, it, 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 I don't want to say it matters, but I know it's a factor that I hope my son inherits like anybody's genes with regard to height other than mine slash my dad's. Like my mom's side of the family is tall, like one of my brother, both of my brothers, I think, are six feet tall, at least. One of them's over that. Um, and uh, and then Anna Marie's side of the family. Uh, it, it, there's, there's no height issue. So I really hope that for him, not because it's like, you know, like, oh, sweet, then he can, then he can play left tackle somewhere. But it's just, it's, it's just something that now I'm aware of it. And, and I, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the fact that I lived more than half of my life completely ignorant to how, um, I don't even know what the right how how much people are conscious of it, how much people think of it, and 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 candidly, and I and I get it, and I don't have a problem with it because it's not necessarily like an intentional thing, but how women are more attracted to tall guys, it's just the way that it is. I'm sure there are exceptions. Fortunately, in my case, there have been some, but uh, it's it's you know it's 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 biochemistry. It's there's not there's not much we can do about it. You know, um, you know, I can sit here and say I'm short and I'm beautiful, but I mean, I'm, the fuck am I kidding? You know, it's the way that it is. So what are you going to do? Um, so, I mean, yeah, and like you said, at this point, I mean, what, the, what do I care? I'm 42 and I'm a father and I'm married and, you know, been with the same woman for 11 years. I just, it's just not, yeah, just, and I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't care, but I'm aware of it for our for my son's sake but there's nothing he can do either you know it's not like it's like okay our family historically has had weight problems and bad diet habits have been passed down and i'm going to be conscious to try to make sure that that doesn't happen and you know with jameson this is just the, the, the cards have already been dealt and you know and obviously it's not you know it's not the end of the world by any means but it does matter it's just a, it's a thing and it's such a I wonder what it's about. You know, I was telling my wife this. We were at dinner, the same dinner I was making reference to with uh, the James Carl. We actually guy gave me the gift certificate on Thursday. We went to Olive and Oak on Saturday night. And, you know, it's like 10, 1030. We've had some booze. And I'm going, isn't it an odd thing? And I really do believe this. And Andrew, I'll answer your question about hair. It's going to go back to Propecia. But I, I, as always, digressing. That at least I think... Women don't like to be around good-looking women, but men 
oftentimes making it clear to everyone how they couldn't possibly be gay, men want to be around or want to be accepted by or want to vote for good-looking men. It's a very... And you're probably thinking to yourself, what are you talking about? But then think about it. My my earliest exp- exposure to this was when I was the Rush chairman for Sigma Chi at the University of Missouri. Now, I have no idea what Sigma Chi is like now at the University of Missouri. It seems like it's on campus for a couple of years, and then it gets kicked off campus for a couple of years. And I, I wouldn't consider myself real locked into the whole thing. Um, but when I was there, it was considered to be... You know, I don't know. Remember, I'm going back twenty something years, like ATO, SAE, Beta, Fidelt. I guess those were the houses that were supposedly the best houses. And and I don't know who, by the way, determines this. But I guess it's, it's. I think it's probably actually quantified by who has the the best looking women hanging around them. I think it's that reptilian. But that's that's what I believe was going on. So I was rush chairman at Sigma Chi, still the best job I've ever had, and I can't imagine anything being better. Um, Uh, Two terms, um, going into my junior year and going into my senior year. Won both years. uh, Thrilling, thrilling wins, and obviously uh, happy to to talk about it with you here uh, now that I'm 42. But I remember being told about, hey, you got to talk to this guy. Hey, you got to bring this guy. You know, this guy's a stud. And I go, "What, what determines a stud? And what an odd way to describe but okay, you know, that, that was the term. It was absolutely thrown around. And now that I look back, like I had a different philosophy on who I wanted to bring into the fraternity house because I wanted to see it change. Um, and I couldn't have fucking cared less what people looked like. As, you know, especially guys. Well, I mean, it's a fraternity, so it's going to be guys. But I just don't, I mean, what do I care? I wanted, wanted quality people. Uh and if they were good-looking guys, I mean, great. I don't know. I just it just wasn't something that you know, I was like, oh well. I mean, he's a complete fucking asshole, but God, he's a stud. So I gotta I gotta sign him. But that was what's going on. It's a very odd thing. Odd once again. All right, euphemism. Fucked up. But I observed it. And then you look at you know um, you know what goes on with media. Um, and with political candidates, and it's a factor. And, and it's almost like it's not talked about, but it's, but it's there. It's without question there. You know, when I was uh, coming out of the University of Missouri, I remember sending what was truly a VHS tape. Uh, it was the tail end of the VHS tape, but that's what we were using. And uh, sending them to, like, you know, people who were, for lack of a better term, mentors. Um or just sending them to news directors across the country and just hoping they would respond to emails and, you know, maybe 5% of the time they would. And most of the time what they would say was, you know, you're, you know, you're green. That was the term, you're, you know, because I'm just coming out of school. And so, you know, you hit us up in a couple of years. But one of the things that I would hear, because uh, you can't tell how tall I am when you're sitting at an anchor desk or you're doing a live shot and you're by yourself, is you're the total package. And I'm like, what in the hell's the total? What a weird thing! Because I'm like, I've, I've never been described as the total package. But how can you be five eight and be the total? But you cannot be the total package. But at the time, um, being young and I guess having a, a certain voice, uh, well, the voice you're hearing, even though this is not how I, I'm not, you know, when I 
get off the uh, the air off a podcast, I suddenly go, this is how I talk. But, uh, you know, like, so therefore I'm considered a whatever, a, a you know, a prospect, I suppose, in the business. And so I had agents wanting to sign me, not based on the fact that I was making $22,000 in Little Rock, but that the belief was that I would eventually come up, you know, like somebody in A-ball and make some money. Uh, and part of that was due to the fact, as fucked up as this is, it's real, that I had a nice head of hair. It, 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 again, I know you're like, you got to be kidding me with this. It's the truth. It is the absolute truth. Now, again, this is 99, 2000. It, to an extent, it's gone away, but it's still there. Think about it. How many bald guys do you see on television? Like you don't see what those of us in our 40s and older saw growing up, which was guys didn't shave their head. In particular, white guys. Michael Jordan like healed the world for us all. Uh, but it was like it'd be like the male pattern baldness thing. The monk, you know. Um, and now you're gonna shave your head. But uh, the day I got my prescription for Propecia, which was in January of 1998, um, I did my first live shot at KOMU. It sounds like a cute little anecdote that has, you know, that isn't true, but it is the truth. And, and I have said, and I continue to say that I'm not sure which one was more significant to my career, the Propecia prescription or the live shot. Uh, because in television, especially at KOMU, you're coming up like, for whatever reason, some people can look into a camera and talk, or in my case, this morning or this afternoon or this evening, look at my refrigerator and just sit here and talk for hours. You got to be, there's got to be something off. I mean, there's something off. It's not, it's not like something you want to have. Hey, I can sit in a room and talk to myself for three hours. Well, that's great. What a fucking wizard you are. Uh, something's off. But you can look into a camera and talk and talk conversationally and have facial expressions and not really be nervous. I mean, you're nervous, especially when you're whatever I was at the time, 21. Uh, and it's my first time doing it, but there were a lot of people who'd go into journalism school down there and, uh, and, and for whatever reason, they couldn't do it. And they're a billion times more intelligent than me, but they, they're that one little thing they couldn't do. And if you can't do it, you can't do this, this business. Uh, and so then they would change majors and they would become producers or whatever the, the case might be. But if I would have had the hair that I have now in 1998, I'm telling you that live shot that caught people's attention then would not have mattered. Wouldn't have mattered. Or... It would have been like, oh, he's good, but he isn't ever going to be any big market, you know? So, you know, I, re I recognize there are people who listen to every single one of these things, and I love it, but I also recognize that, therefore, you hear some of the same things. But with regard to when I got um, the job at SNY as uh, the anchor of what was then Geico Sports Night, and I think it's still there, and this was 12 years earlier, um, the gentleman who hired me told my agent, hey, can you have him grow his hair out? As if this was like a choice. And I remember my agent calling me and I said, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to be 6'3 as well, but these things aren't going to happen. I can't do anything about it. And he goes, well, then do like the Matt Lauer thing. Matt Lauer was not a negative buzzword at the time. Um, you know, where he would just like, you know, he's clearly bald, but uh, he's, you know, he's got something there. So, 
uh, I, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I can do it, but I don't think it's going to look very good. And, uh, and so, um, with that said, you know, it, it was, it was something that was a factor, uh, for me in choosing not to take the job because I felt like my ceiling was lower without having hair. And again, I know some people are going, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm telling you, this is real. Now, I, I did think about it. I swear to you, I was on my way up to uh, Vancouver is where I was going to go. I remember I had a flight to Minneapolis and then to Vancouver to get a hair transplant procedure. Super expensive. This is 2007. Uh, it would be super expensive now, you know, um, it, it, it's, yeah, but I mean, I was going to do what I had to do, but I didn't realize that when you get these things, at least the way it was done then, I know the technology has improved that, um, that, you know, it, it takes months for it to grow in. And then, you know, you don't know what it's going to look like. And then you got to keep getting procedures. And it's like, I'm going to be the new guy in New York where they cover media, you know, much differently than the gossip style that it's covered here. And they actually are critical, you know, of the performance as opposed to, you know, so-and-so said this about so-and-so. And, you know, I'm going to show up with like scars on my head. Nobody's going to know who the hell I am outside of I'm the guy that looks like my, you know, I just had a hair transplant surgery. And most people don't know what that is. They're just going to be like, oh my God, what the hell's wrong with this guy? So I didn't go, obviously. And, uh, but a year earlier, I had stopped taking Propecia. And I'm dead serious when I say, which is also so shallow sounding, but it's the truth. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's such a monster mistake. It just is. It's, it, it, in, in the old, why'd you stop taking it? So in February of 06, in June of 07 is when I got the job in New York. In February of 06, I got a job as the host of Fox Sports Baseball Across America. With uh, my co-anchor would have been Carissa Thompson, who's now um, all over. I guess uh, she does an NFL show on Fox, and you know she's all over the place on Fox. That would have been my co-anchor, and uh, and it was in Denver. It it had been in L.A., but they'd moved it to Denver, and I think it was less expensive to to produce there. And Fox had some headquarters there. I think it's Root Sports now that's in Denver and where the Rockies are. But the Rockies were on there, and. and I, I never accepted that one, but, um, you know, I remember going out there and, and I interviewed with him. Uh, I think it was, I don't know, it was the news director of the GM goes, oh, we thought you shaved your head. And I go, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll shave my head and grow it back or whatever. And I was still taking Propecia. They didn't care. Um, but when I didn't take that job and Propecia was like 80 or $90 a month, I'm like, you know what? Now that I haven't taken that, I'm not going to go back into TV. I don't want to do it. I haven't done it since February of 05. I'm just not going to spend the money on the Propecia. And so like in June of 06 or so, right around then, nah, it had to be earlier than that. I stopped taking it, and I had been taking it for eight years, January 98, as I cited earlier. Uh, and I started, I'm like, oh, I've been shaving my head. I'll grow my hair back like I had for the first uh, almost 30 years of my life. Cut your hair, grow your hair back. Well, the time came to grow my hair back and like n- nothing was coming out. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was um, disconcerting will be my, my word for that. Real disconcerting. And it became clear 
stopping taking Propecia ended it. Like the Propecia for those eight years was was allowing me to keep what I had. And it was fine. Stopping it, it all went away. And now I see these, now I don't pay attention to it now because I don't care anymore. But I see these advertisements for like hymns. And I've actually had somebody I know, and not like like a listener who occasionally will email, somebody I know, somebody I do business with, who's, and I guess maybe we were talking about it on the radio show one day, and he goes, I've used it, and then he sent me before and after pictures, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, holy shit. So maybe it really works. I mean, I did the Rogaine thing for a brief time, but the Propecia was what I used for eight years, just took it daily. But, you know, I've had some people say it really does have some side effects, Um but and you never see it advertised anymore. I have no idea what happened. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. I don't I guess. I st- assume it's still out there. Um, and maybe it's just like by I think the finasteride or something like that was the the ingredient that that kept the hair. Either way, that was rough, man. And and I guess what I'm saying is, had I had I continued to take it, um, there's a good chance as stupid as it sounds that I go to New York and take that job because at that point I feel like my ceiling in television is higher felt like my ceiling in television was lower now I want to make it clear that wasn't the the reason I had a variety of reasons and and now in talking to people who have lived in New York and it was don't get me wrong it was you know it was a nice amount of money but it was not oh you can live comfortably in Manhattan money it's like oh well maybe you got to live in Brooklyn Heights or Jersey money um, there's that. It would have been working late at night and I was doing TV and I didn't really like doing TV, reading off the prompter and ad libbing over Nets highlights and Islanders highlights. That wasn't really what I wanted to do with my life. So, uh, but the, the hair thing played a role in it. So your question here is, uh, I gather you're yeah, 25 years old, you know, I mean, my, my advice is shave it. And, and then what people will sometimes say in response when I say that is, I have a weird shaped head and I go you can't have a weirder shaped head than me there's no way so it's like when I talk about the fact that let me put a let me put a a face on the the oh well this couple you know they thought about it they thought about it they thought about it uh, when they wanted to get pregnant and then they couldn't and then they stopped thinking about it and then they got pregnant and we always would hear that when we were trying to have a baby Uh, so we were public with our story. Let me also be public with this one. I have a weird shaped head. I shave my head and things are just fine. Now people might be going behind my back or in the case of, since I have a show and people can text in or post on social media, well, you have a weird shaped head. It's like, yeah, I do. I don't know. I mean, I don't really get worked up about it. Like if I put on 30 pounds, yeah, that'd be a little, that'd bother me more because I did it and it was my behavior that caused it. I have a weird shaped head. There's nothing I can fucking do about it. I'm not tall. Nothing I can fucking do about it. Um, so I, I, my, own it. Own it. I, I mean, just own it. I don't know. I mean, unless, unless you know, the other thing, the, the, maybe you can get hair transplants now so easily and it can look good. The thing is, like, I look at Erlocker, Brian Erlocker. And he went from what I thought anyway was a was a you know rock solid looking guy with the shaved head, and then he got his hair transplants, and now he kind of looks like Kevin James. And I'm going, what did he do that for? 
because once you get them, I think then you have the scar, so you can't shave your head, or you you can, but then you have a scar across the back of your head. But I'm thinking of what it was like in 2007. Now I think it's totally different. Cam's very forthright. Jansen's with the th- fact that he got them done, and he's like, "Oh, dude, it's not like that at all, dude. No." So I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Here's what I'm saying: shave your head. It's just not. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It just isn't that big of a deal. The bigger deal is the height thing. Like if you said to me. What can you have of the three things that are just bad beats that you've got going on? The height, the head shape, and the hair. I'd say the height's the one that I'd change the, the most. You know, I mean, the head shape is, is, is certainly not optimal, but what are you going to do? The hair thing, so many guys at this point, you know, shit. I mean, they've either lost their hair or they're gray. And really what you'll find, and I know this will sound weird, um... But you, you, it's not that you don't care because I, I work out and take care of myself, but you're not, you're not like, you just kind of know what the situation is. If anything, you don't want to be in a position where you're getting women hitting on you uh, because you got a family, you know, and you don't want to fuck that up. So you just don't think about it. I know it sounds weird. Don't get me wrong. You're still like, she's hot. Wow. I really enjoy her work. That's quite lovely. Those types of things I say when I see Gabby Carter's latest tweets. But as far as like, yeah, let me get dialed up and see what's doing in you know, Barnapoli tonight, it doesn't even cross your mind. So you don't care. But in the meantime, you're 25, and my play would be own it and shave it. I mean, just shave it. And I think women respect that. And and you know what? I have to say, it wasn't like it was all over the place, but I did have women at times who uh, really liked the shaved head. Now, Anna Marie sees my camo V and Fox Sports Midwest stuff where uh, I have a full head of hair and she says she likes me with the shaved head. Now, I think she's just saying that because she knows there's nothing I can do about this. Um, but uh, that's what she says. I don't know. I, but let me tell you something. I look at it and give me the, give me the hair back. Uh, but then at the same time, I'm picturing myself, you know, when I'm 23 or 24. And so I'm, uh, I'm probably associating with that because now if I were to grow my hair out, I'm sure I'd have, you know, at the very least some gray. Um, but I don't know. I listen, I know it's not about my situation. 42 years old, married, uh, it's 25 and it's a world of a difference is a single guy, assuming you're single. That's why you're asking. And I get it, but, you know, it's such a different world now for guys shaving their heads. So that's my play. Shave your head and just don't, you know, the height thing, I don't know what to tell you on that. You know, that's just, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a beat that I feel badly for you on. The hair thing, at that one in the whole scheme of things, unless you're for whatever reason in, in television and I would advise you to get out. Uh, but if you are, then it's something you got to have to deal with. But otherwise it's just, it's like, who gives a shit at this point? It, and I'm not talking about age wise cause you're 25 and you're still probably in the game, but I'm talking about, um, guys shaving their heads. It's, it's, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal anymore. I mean, certainly some women would prefer hair. Don't get me wrong. I'm aware of that, but I just don't think it's as, uh, stigmatized as it would have been, you know, 25 years ago. So there's there's my play on that. All right, there was another one, and, and there probably were a billion more. Um, let's see. Um, that I when I posted, and I really liked this one. It was Timmy Recaps again. He always 
he has some good questions for questions from the audience, and it was it was something I was thinking about addressing anyway, and then he put it in a way that I that I can read and and it can hit the hole. Where the hell is my question? Here we go. Um, final question for questions from the audience for this session, broken up in between me watching dump trucks with my son. Uh, Timmy recaps writes. Um, I've noticed you tend to check out when unexpected political chatter infiltrates the show. Uh, this is written to me uh, regarding the radio show. It happened during today's show when gun violence and school shootings became a topic toward the end of segment three. Is this due to not wanting to outwardly express your opinions due to potential outrage and or backlash if your thoughts don't jive with the more socially accepted answers? Is it because there's no upside even if you do share your opinion? Is it because you aren't as informed as you would like to be when pontificating on provocative matters which will live forever on the Internet? Is it because you don't want to engage in what tends to be a heightened argument when like terms and definitions are rarely agreed upon? Is it a combo cocktail of all of the above? Or perhaps you were simply checking emails or something else entirely. Thank you. And now I have not read the comments below, um, but a gentleman then writes under, I know you didn't ask me, but as a guy who likes a good debate, I vanish when this stuff comes up too, mostly because it's a gigantic waste of time. It's like sitting down with two guys debating Jordan versus LeBron. Time passes. Both guys leave thinking they made a point. Neither of them listened. Uh, and then Timmy recaps wrote back. No, no, I appreciate the response as someone whose position has grown. As I've learned from people on the page, I tend to disagree with people when they say views don't change on the internet and it's a longer post. So anyway, it's a great question because I do withdraw. Um, I certainly have, I mean, if you listen to this, you know, I have opinions. Here's what it gets down to. Um, and maybe this is, this is, this is, I think some people will be interested in hearing this answer um, because I'm sure people wonder about it. I, and I'm aware, even though nobody's saying anything until I read that question, I'm aware in my mind, I'm thinking people are wondering why I'm not talking. I guess sometimes people text in and go, Tim, are you there? Um, and here's, right or wrong, and, it, and at this moment it happens to be wrong, the perception of me on the show by the majority of the audience, um, either factually inaccurate or just perception-wise inaccurate, is that I am the boss, uh, that I am uh, in charge, like when the plowboy is giving takes that people don't like, which has been something that's gone on here recently. People are like, Tim, why don't you shut him? I'm like, why the, what the fuck do I shut him? Why don't you text that to the cat or Doug? You know, it's not like I, I'm not the boss. I'm not the boss. I haven't been the boss for years. Um, and it's and then it like upsets people when I say that. I'm like, what do you want me to fucking do? Like lie to you and say I am? I'm not. So, but that that's not the point of the, the, the question here, but I'm building up to where I'm going with this. I even think sometimes some of the guys in the show still view me that way. Like Doug, for example, who, as I said earlier, is like the A-plus coworker. And obviously, Doug and I philosophically have different views on the world. We have some that are quite similar, but certainly we have some that are quite different. But I don't go, well, he's a conservative, and therefore I can't possibly. Uh, but as far as a coworker goes, you couldn't, I mean, you know, he's dude's hilarious, gives his opinions, doesn't really give a shit what people think about his opinions. And as far as work goes, I mean, hardly ever in the, what is he now, almost 12 years he's been doing the show, hardly ever complains, never causes problems behind the scenes. I mean, he's just, he's a, he's absolute A plus. So he asked for a day off last week and he included me in on the email. Just 
you know, and it's, it's, it's a fine gesture, but I mean, I've got nothing to do with it, you know? So it's, that's still the thought process because I get it for, for, you know, what, 2010 through 2016, I was in that position. Um, you know, and I get, and it's just, whatever it's, you know, the cattle occasionally still include me on, you know, I'm going to be out this day, whatever. Um, so why do I bring that up? How is that related to this question? I think some of the people I work with, um, well, maybe all of the people I work with actually, uh, on the show, all five of the gentlemen, um, and the audience perceives me as being in charge. And therefore, if I enter the debate, it, it then kind of is, it's, it's like, oh, now you're, now you're going up against, you know, whatever the boss or, you know, like, you know, you're challenging dad or whatever, you know, whatever, uh, the principal, whatever. And, and I don't want, I I'm, I'm conscious of, of not getting going in these because then I feel like it's going to make like the plowboy, for example, or even Doug stop um, giving their opinions. They're the ones I think who more often than not give opinions that aren't necessarily uh, welcomed by the audience. Doug with politics and the plowboy with a variety of things, but recently sports, this one was on the gun debate. Um, And if I do, then it's like, oh, I can't talk now because now I'm going up against Tim and that's not what I want. The only time I do, I don't want to say the only time, the time that I know that I will get involved is if somebody is passing something off that's factually inaccurate. Just because I want to set the record straight. Um, and then we're operating off the same facts. Um, but, so if I start going, um, I also don't, you know, I don't want it to turn into like an argument. Um I'm not interested in that. I realize some people love that, but I don't enjoy that. Um, I enjoy listening to people whose opinions um, I respect based on their own experience, their own research, whatever the case might be, uh, and knowing it's coming from a place of sincerity and not a place that's already going to fall in line with their politics and and hear what they have to say and then just kind of take it in. Um, you know, I, with what happened in El Paso and Dayton uh, earlier this week, I knew, somebody who's been doing this for a long time, that inevitably it was going to come up on the radio show. I'm also certain, for example, and it's just kind of the way that it is. There, you know, this is the way that that at 101 ESPN, if we were there, it would never come up. They stick to sports, but our show, it's going to go into what people are talking about. And again, I would use the cliche phrase of "for better, or for worse." And so it happened today, um, you know. And 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 I just, you know, some of the uh, recaps you laid out a variety of scenarios as to why. Uh, and, and I think there's probably an element to each one of them, I suppose, even though I'm doing them from memory here, but, um, my thoughts on issues are, are, you know, nuance makes it sound like I'm giving myself a a compliment, which isn't my intent. Um, they're complex 
And by complex, I mean, I'm not necessarily sure. Like if somebody asked me, do I believe in God? I would say, I, I hope there is a God, but I don't think so, but I hope there is. But I'm not sure. And I'm really turned off by many people I have seen behaving with a great deal of certainty that there is a God, and then they cite the Bible as what I must believe in, and yet they behave in ways that go against the Bible's teachings. So I hope there's a God, but I hope this God isn't a big fan of some of the people who claim to be his biggest supporters. So how do I say that on the radio? I mean, I can say it if the floor is clear, but the floor has five other people on it, four other people actively on the air. Gangster Pete is in in the back. Um, so there's that. So this is why I like this, because I'm just I can just go. But I also realize I'm reaching a smaller number of people than than TMA. But I also don't want to say stuff just for the purpose of saying it. Um, so with politics, it's the same thing. Certainly something like like whether it be abortion or gun violence, you know, I think, I, I think, and it's, it, it, I'm just, it's, it's, it's automatic what's going to happen when one of these things occurs. It becomes politicized. And then I think there, then people on the left will go, fuck you for saying that, you know, what do you like thoughts and prayer? And no, it's just like, it, it's like however many people died that particular day, or in the case of earlier this week, twice, in one day, it's like that's that just it's fly, flying under the radar because we're gonna you know what's gonna happen you're gonna have politicians Republicans are gonna say their thing Democrats are gonna say their thing and it's just gonna get going and then it's gonna be social media it's just it's oh and then somebody's gonna tweet something like Neil deGrasse Tyson did that then gets the outrage thing going and now we can cancel him out and tell him how big of a motherfucker he is because he's such an asshole for tweeting that even though we're acting like motherfuckers and assholes while attacking him but the self awareness is at a zero and and that's the cycle and. I just, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to play the game, but it's not because I'm above the game. It's just that style of the game to me is not productive and I'm not interested in, in that. Um, you know, I guess where I would disagree and it's not, and it's not fair because he's not here, but you know, when Doug sometimes gets going on political discussions, you know, I feel like it's, 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 it's a talking point. Uh, discussion as opposed to, well, this is what I think. What do you think? And it's just like it's talking points. And it, when sometimes we'll have callers call in, and it's like they're giving in the talking points. And it does. I'm not talking about specific conservative or liberal. It's just in general, the, the, whatever side. It's like, oh, it's the talking points. You know, this it isn't what I necessarily think. And by the, I'm, I, I'm talking about not me. I'm talking about what the, the individual thinks. And because because oftentimes it's those people who are going to be the most triggered uh, to call in or to get all worked up, you know, it's not the person who goes, yeah, I see that, but this, so I'm not sure. And that's 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 me most of the time. There are issues where I do feel some semblance of this is this is a fucking joke or this is a mess, and, and they might not be popular, but I certainly will say them. I will, I will, I'm more likely to say them here, not because I'm afraid to say them on the radio. I mean, my God, of, of the six people on the show, who is the biggest target? Jeez. I mean, it's, you know, it's obvious who that is. Um, so it's not that. It's just I, I consider these things important, and I don't so like pop off with something. 
Um, and you know, if, 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 if Doug and the Plowboy, or if Doug and the Cat, or if the Plowboy and Iggy, or whatever, they're the ones in the ring. I don't need to come in and you know get involved just because you know I'm perceived to be the guy with the C on his sweater. Um, let them go. You know, I always hate when people break up fights. Let them go. Let them. You know, I don't need Big Brother coming in and telling them what they can and can't say unless people say something that just is factually inaccurate. It's a great question. Um, Let's see what else he says. Is it because you don't want to engage in what tends to be a heightened argument? Is it a combo cocktail? All of the above. The answer is it's a combo cocktail. Um, and I, if anything, you know, and I, th- I think people now, if you if you listen to this podcast regularly, and I would imagine this is, you know, not the first time you've listened, and, and you hear me on TMA, uh, and you hear me on the podcast, you're like, that's almost like two different people. But I am both of those things, you know. I mean, I love doing TMA, but I'm also whatever this is. Um, I guess, for lack of a better term, serious. And I've always known that because I would get asked about doing a show by myself, and I'd go, "Man, it's going to fuck people up if and when I do a show by myself because it's going to be so much more serious." than what they are accustomed to with TMA and the morning grind. But, you know, that's me. It's certainly me now um, as, I've, as I've grown older. Um, you know, but there was, a, there was a last week, actually it happened to be after the debate. It might have been after night one. Um, no, it was after the second night. And it came out of nowhere. I liked it. Um, I like I like I liked it because I think I liked it because it reminded me of the Howard Stern show. So anything that can get me back to my altar for Stern, but somebody called in. It was like people just call Howard and just like ask his opinion on something. And they got called and asked me and Doug because I don't think the cat was in our opinion on the, the debates. And I liked that because it wasn't like what do you think of you know Trump's tweets you know like that type of shit where it's just like, oh, good, okay, you you guys line up over here, you guys line up over here, and now let's attack each other and, and have a circle jerk for the next hour of hatred back and forth. This was, what, do you, what did you think of the debates? And since it was all one party, you couldn't get into the, oh, well, you're saying this because of that. You know, it was like, oh, and so I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, he was certainly told to drink bleach on the text inbox, but it uh, it allowed me, and Doug didn't get a chance to watch him, so I was in the in this position where I was the only person talking, um, and happened to have, as I said earlier in this show, watched it all, almost at all, watched both nights, and watched like seventy percent or so of them, and uh, and gave my opinion, and gave my opinion as to why I think certain candidates are done, and certain candidates are you know have potential and my thought that I gave you earlier that I think that there's a good chance that whoever is going to wind up with the Democratic nomination is not somebody that has been on the debate stage yet. Um, so I enjoyed that. But if it gets into, do you see what President Trump tweeted or do you see what this analyst, conservative or liberal, tweeted and did you see the outrage regarding this? I'm out, man. I'm so out. I'm just, I, so yeah, I do tune out. I tune out because I know what's going to happen and it just bores the fuck out of me. It really does. It's not a case of, ooh, I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, I'm the same guy that's like, hey, you see what you know? Gabby Carter just posted on Instagram. People are like, oh, I can't believe he said that. He's a husband and a father. How offensive, you know? Or oh, he talks about lesbianism, or you know, says reads weird ass texts and 
says fuck all the time. You know, th- that that's not it. I'm just bored by it. I'm bo- I'm bored by people spewing talking points and insults that are broad-based, stereotypical insults back and forth. It just bores the fuck out of me. You want to get into a philosophical discussion? I am all in. I'm all in at a bar. I'm all in having coffee in the morning. I love it. You start spewing talking points and like you're you're getting emotional and screaming and like trying to win and win what I don't know, but trying to win because you're you've already you've already won the people who are on your side and you've already lost the people who are on your side and it's not going to change. It never it doesn't change. That does not change in these shouting matches. So I'm just like okay, you know, have at it. I'm I'm not into it. But I also know. So this isn't coming at it from like a, I'm some I'm on some higher ground. I also know because I see it, but I also you can hear that Doug and the cat don't participate when like Iggy and I are talking about like a stag movie, you know, or an adult film starlet, you know. And as I've said regarding sports, the cat is not as big of a Missouri football guy as you know certainly me and Doug and Gangster Pete on the show are. Um, all of us having gone there. And so it's not like he goes, he gets into the discussion because he doesn't know about it. He, oftentimes he's got Cardinal games that day and so he doesn't get a chance to watch. He doesn't get involved. You know, back in the day, I think it'll be different now, but early season blues, regular season hockey, I wasn't watching it. We weren't talking about it. And if we did, I wasn't participating in it with any kind of outside of, hey, the Blues lost last night. They're in third place. Because I'm not going to bullshit the audience. So that's also part of it. But I do have opinions, but I but but they're not, hey, I think if we got rid of all the guns, these would end. Or hey, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever the thing is now, like video games and you know, I don't even know what what else has been used. It's just it's just uh I'll say here's something. This is just an anecdote. I guess it could be perceived as anti gun. It's not, it just was something that stood out to me. Um because I, I, I never really had thought of it this way. I was playing golf in Las Vegas with a guy, older guy. I think he played professional. Um, I think it was Australian Rose football, actually. I think he was from New Zealand. Whatever. Either way, the point is he wasn't from the United States. He was from overseas, older guy, so he'd seen a lot. Probably late 60s, early 70s. Great guy. Playing in Las Vegas. Re- Reflection Bay is the name of the course. Major recommendation on it. Uh, it's, uh, to, to the east of the strip. Um, and, uh, um, you know, we spent, you know, whatever, 14, 15 holes together. We're just bullshit. And I go, so what is your perception of the U S and he goes, Oh, wonderful people. Wonderful. I, I, what, what accent was I doing there? It was like an Irish, like a half Irish accent for a guy who's from Australia or New Zealand, whatever. No accent required. Uh, wonderful people. He goes, I'm just really confused by the obsession with guns here it's just i don't get it like like nowhere else in the world do people care about guns as much as they do in the united states and you know as i said earlier i'm not well traveled i've i've you know i've been i've never been outside of the western hemisphere and i don't believe i've been to the southern hemisphere if i have it's it's barely i'm just not exactly sure where the equator is i don't think i have i've been to aruba and I know Aruba is like you can see Venezuela and Colombia as you're flying in. Um, so from a geographic standpoint, I think I'm still in the northern hemisphere. My point is this: I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I haven't talked with many people from. If I'm talking to somebody from another country, 
it's because they're in the United States. And that just stood out to me. Um, you know, I, I gather that Western Europeans kind of look down on Americans as being dumb or arrogant or whatever, the cowboy stereotype, whatever it is. I have no fucking clue. Um, but the gun thing was not something. And he said it, and I go, yeah, I guess maybe there's something to that. I just had never thought about it. But, you know, what is, what is my reaction when these school shootings or these mass shootings occur? My reaction is, I can't even I can't even imagine the terror the people who either died or lived through experienced don't really want to think about it but can't imagine um I can't imagine especially now as a parent what that's like that time in between hearing that there is a shooting at your child's school and not knowing whether your child is alive and I dread what I know is then coming in the next 24, 48 hours, which is people then rushing to social media, politicians running to whatever network they're going to use uh, to say the same shit that they said for the previous ones. Um, and what will happen? Nothing will happen. And why won't it happen? And that's where that is where I'm interested in discussion. That's where I'm that there is where I'm interested in having a discussion. Because nobody's for these things. But the 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 part of the book that bores the shit out of me is what's rushier and now I'm going to say shit and the people who like it will like my post and the people who hate me will tell me how wrong I am and it doesn't matter what side it is. And there will be people calling for, well, now this has to be the one that, and it, and it doesn't. And so my question is why? That interests me. That interests me. The, the shit where we condemn a group of people as being, you know, that, that just, it just bores me. Uh, and again, it's not said from a, I'm so much better than standpoint at all. It's just, you know, I don't know. I mean... Think of shit that bores you, whatever it might be. We're all different. This just, it, it bores me because I, it find, I find it disingenuous in its talking points. You know? You already know it, what, what people are going to say. And you also know nothing's going to come of it. <laughs> and, I, and it's gallows humor. I'm laughing at the sadness of it. So, you know, I mean, God, I can picture... Being at my place in Columbia, 99, with Columbine, and to think, and watching that on television, and to think, like now they happen, and it's like, oh yeah, I can't even keep track. I mean, I don't know how many there've been. It's just it's 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 commonplace, and it's brutal. But the truth is, I don't have the answer. You know, it's not like I'm like, oh, if only the Republicans would get on board or if only the Democrats would get on board. It's not that's not how I think. If assault rifles were absolutely 100 percent banned, 100 percent, they're just gone, which, of course, is not going to happen, at least anytime soon. But let's do I think that this is just going to go away? I don't. I don't. But at the same time, do I think it's a factor? Of course I do. 
God, it's disingenuous if I see a politician pop up who, you know, is funded by the NRA talking about, like, video games. You know, and you're just going, oh, you know, we can't really have a discussion about it. And I, you know, it's like, you know, I'm digressing, but that's what this whole thing is. It's like, I know, and I think you know. I think you know, but maybe you don't. So maybe we disagree, but whatever. Uh, That a lot of these Republicans who are now, you know, is in lockstep publicly with Donald Trump, as you can possibly be, just a couple of years ago were like, this fucking guy, you know, and like either mocking him or mocking his chances or saying we can't let our party go. But then they see what happened and they go, well, shit. If we go against him, it's like he takes us out, and if he doesn't take us out, the the voters will. So they got to dance, even though we know. Well, we don't know. I'm confident that many of them don't feel this way. Was it shocking here last week when Paul Ryan did an interview and he said what he said? I mean, did you really think he like after being so critical of President Trump that he all the you know all of a sudden like got on board? I mean. And that's the thing. That's what's frustrating. It's like, but the, but like, as I'm saying this right now, I'm sure some of you who are big Donald Trump supporters are like, oh, fuck you, Tim. And I'm like, it's not, it's not coming from that perspective of like, fuck him or fuck. It's not, that's not where I am. It's coming from a sincerity observation. It's the game. And so it's just disingenuine. Just as it is, guess you got to do the thing. But I do feel this way. I'm not just doing it for when like take whatever liberal talking point you want and then like there's a bunch of people popping up doing their what is it called virtue signaling to like get the approval of those on the left with whatever topic where I'm going oh my god you don't really feel this way but you're doing your dance because you're running for president and this is gross I don't know you know I say this shit and I you know I used to go, I don't know why people just don't say the truth. And then then I get in a position where I'm, you know, operating a business. And then I get called on stuff from Dan Caesar, the social media people ask things. And it's like, okay, I got to keep stuff in the room. So I got to, I'm not going to lie, but it's just like, you know, fall on the sword, so to speak. So I don't know. I mean, I've I've never walked in their shoes, but I don't know. That's the thing that I don't know, and I don't know what's. I, I really don't know what's going to change it. That's that's kind of where we always go back to on this. Like I think there is a sense for those who are Democrats who are just anti Donald Trump that November twenty twenty, if you were to lose, um, which at this moment I do not think will happen. I haven't thought that for a while, and nothing has changed to make me think otherwise. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who will not be voting for him, did not vote for him, will not be voting for him, but still sees what I see uh, and therefore say what I say, uh, that, you know, Donald Trump, uh, if he were to lose in over 2020 like this ends, it's not the way this is going to work. It's not the way this is going to work. You know, there's not some, if, if that is your persuasion, happy ending coming here in uh, November 2020. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what the hell happened if he were to lose. Uh, Wow. 
but you know this is this is not this is not a Donald Trump thing just like it was not a Barack Obama thing this is bigger than that and uh you know the thing the thing about it is like I I love talking about this stuff the the problem is I'm coming at it from a you know sincere perspective and my sincere perspective is I on a lot of things I don't know now I'm sure I don't know on some things that I think I know on but then there are plenty of things where I truly don't know I don't know I don't know in some cases I really don't know it's ignorance in other cases I have a pretty good idea of both sides perspectives but I really don't know where I come down. I see this side, but I also see this side. Um, I don't know. I guess one thing I'll say that I can, that I can say with a, with a semblance of a great deal of confidence is if I felt like the people who are representing these views that are nuanced, that I see gray as opposed to black or white, if I felt like they were better people, I could buy into easier what they were saying. But if I think somebody is not really particularly well-versed on an issue or not the greatest of person, and I'm not thinking of just one person here, uh, then then it's difficult for me to buy in. Uh, you know, I mean, like, and I, I use the 2008 election often pre the Palin selection and just like, God, we have two people here. I remember I wrote about it. I'm sure it's in the inside STL archives. I'm just like, these are two really good men running for president. And I loved that election. Again, the Palin selection was really disappointing. Um, and I really feel like that normalized, you know, whatever that is, um, as far as like just saying stuff. <laughs> uh, that's 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 when I think it all started. Um, as far as like you know, somebody not like voting, running for you know, city council somewhere. I'm talking about you know, big office, um, and uh, but as far as the two. People running, my God, I thought we had, and I, and I know I didn't feel that way in 2004. I know that I didn't feel that way in 2000. I know I didn't feel that way in 96 and I couldn't vote before then. Uh, And, and it's just, you know, and I felt the complete, I felt the absolute opposite, the absolute opposite in 2016, both candidates, both candidates. Isn't it a phenomenon, by the way, as I continue to digress, I don't even know what the hell the question was at this point. One of the things that I found fascinating, and this was within the first few months after November 16, is everybody was saying leading into it is, I mean, it was the it was the absolute go-to talking point. How did we wind up with these two candidates? How did we wind up with these two candidates? Republican, Democrat, you had people saying that. It was kind of like, I'm not voting for her or I'm not voting for him, so therefore I am voting for her or I'm voting for him. But I'm not voting for her, I'm just voting against him. Or I'm not voting for him, but I'm just voting against her. And then all of a sudden, it like 
President Trump gets inaugurated and then a bunch of people who are going, oh, how do we have these two choices? All of a sudden it's like, oh, how great is this? And the media's out to get him. I'm like, whoa, just like a couple months ago, you were like this motherfucker. And now you're like, this motherfucker's the greatest. It's an amazing thing. Like you, so it, what a phenomenon that was. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I'm trying to like keep my eye on that for 2020. But, um, yeah, 2008, man, that's the thing I could buy in it. Maybe I was wrong. You know, I, I certainly feel like I was right on that one. Um, but I don't know. I would love for that to emerge for 2020 and I could go in and vote for somebody and be really enthused about it and then feel like, okay, this person's going to bring the country together, but I just don't see it. And I've been asked before about a civil war and I realize some people, oh God, because they think of like, you know, the you know, the North and the South in the 1860s. But I'm, you know, I, in a way, I think it's already happened. It's just, it's not necessarily, you know, well, it's not, you know, people in battlefields. But it's it's attacks on each other. And it's real. So uh, it's just going on in, in social media and on the actual media. And... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if in my lifetime I'll see it change. I really don't. Well, you know, I always say it, and I and I hate that this is the way, but I and then I say it, and I think you'll probably go, yeah, you're right, and it sucks that this is the case. But what's going to take is going to be something similar to a September 11th. Not that I want that in the slightest, but that's the thing that brings people together, and then people say, okay, you know what? If if it happens on President Trump's watch, I really don't like him. I really don't respect him. But he is the president, and we are all Americans. You know that kind of thing because it's tough to to remember. But you go back nearly twenty years now, and in January two thousand one, there were plenty of people unhappy with what happened with uh, President Bush and 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 Vice President Gore, and uh, and when. The morning of September 11th arrived. What was going on in January of 2001 was uh, was forgotten by the vast majority of Americans. So that's what I think. But 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 at the same time, is that going to to like be uh, what actually heals it, or is it just going to be a band aid? And I would I would answer that I think it's the latter. So you know, I mean, you ask me a question about uh, these topics. There's my answer. Um, and can you imagine me saying that on the radio? I mean, like, you know, just rambling on like this? No. But, um, you know, it, it, part of it is just it's, it's just the structure of the show. The, I know that the perception is that I'm in charge. And therefore, if I get involved, then the tone of the discussion changes both, I think, amongst the people who are talking on the show and then also in the audience. Like, ooh, Doug's arguing with his boss or ooh, the plowboy's arguing with his boss when I'm not. And they're not. But, uh, and by that I mean they're not arguing with their boss and I'm not their boss. But I know that that's there. And I also know that the way I think of these things is not, unless somebody keeps passing something off that's false as a truth, I'm not going to get really worked up. And so when somebody is talking like this, and like like my wife and I are arguing, and I talk like this in an argument, it drives her up the wall. Because I'm not screaming. I'm just like, well, this is a fact. This is a fact. But it, it can come off the wrong way. You know, I think, you know, I think it's a better approach. 
as opposed to, don't get me wrong it's not like i can completely maintain my cool all times i've got i've got a i got a blind spot as well where i can you know lose it but but as far as like we're just arguing facts well i mean no this is this is what happened and then somebody says well no this is this is what happened. And I, well, that's not that's not accurate. No, this is what happened. And, and now that's a different situation. If we're just giving different opinions. It's like, okay, cool. You see it that way. I don't. Here's why. But um, yeah, it's noticeable that when those segments are going on, that I am uh, that I am not as uh, present or present at all. I'm there. I'm not just like screwing off. But it's it's you know the ball is not in my hands, and I don't want to like just grab it. I want the thing to go. Unless I feel like people are talking in circles and we're not going anywhere. But otherwise, you know, it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, whoever is having the conversation is welcome to, to explain themselves. It would be really, I, I, let me tell you this. Um, it would piss me off if I were in the middle of an hour fired up about something and somebody came in and said, no, no more. You know, we're going to do this and I'm going to do a live read or something like that. That'd piss me off. So, um, anyway, I hope that's a good, it was a great question. Really good questions. I say this. They feel like they just keep getting better, and therefore it makes the uh, the show better. Hopefully it makes the show better. I guess that's on me to make the show better. But the questions are better, and if the, if the show isn't better, that means I'm fucking up. All right, great questions, everybody. You can always email questions, tmckernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you, our sponsors. Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies at evergreenstl.com. Um, of course, James Carlton at carltoninsurance.net. Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet at Landoff.com, Highway 270 in the Washington Liz Exit, and Design Air Heating and Cooling at DesignAirService.com. As always, thank you to our producers, Iggy and Gangster Pete, and thank you to our sponsors, and thank you to you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.